Blog Talk Radio. So you want your charity to succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to modern-day fundraising success, and practical advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart is the perfect place to learn from experts around the world who, along with our host, provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books cover a broad range of topics from major gift fundraising to use of social media and how to succeed online. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you maneuver through this economic downturn in the charitable sector to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. Remember, this is a live call-in show. Become part of the show by adding your voice. Call now at 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Just click on radio links. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of The Nonprofit Coach, Ted Hart. And welcome here to uh, The Nonprofit Coach. I'm uh, excited to uh, have you all here on uh, the show with me today. Um, And uh, we've got a lot to cover uh, today here on the show. Um, And uh, we're going to start off... uh, as we always do, just want to remind everybody that uh, here on the Nonprofit Coach, uh, you can call in as our uh, announcer uh, mentioned, uh, that you can uh, call in and uh, uh, add your voice to the overall show today. You can also join us over in the chat room, and over in uh, uh, the chat room you'll be able to ask questions. You can also email me your questions uh, at tedhart at tedhart.com. As always here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach, we start with page one news. We're going to start uh, right off with uh, page one news today with uh, uh, one of our dear friends here on the Nonprofit Coach once a month. Um, Ava Aldrich, President and CEO of CFRE, uh, joins us here live on the Nonprofit Coach to provide us with the CFRE Minute. Welcome here and welcome back to the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show. Ava Aldrich, how are you? Doing well. How are you, Ted? I am doing well. I'm enjoying uh, uh, getting uh, ready for summer, of course, uh, here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, We have our summer hiatus in July and August, so we have just a couple of shows left here before our summer hiatus. Uh, what's going on at CFRE as uh, you folks are preparing for summer? We've got a lot of exciting things going on, Ted, and I'm really happy to be able to share some with the, your listeners at the Nonprofit Coach. I think one of the biggest things is that we are getting ready to do our strategic planning, which I think is really going to do phenomenal things for CFRE in terms of really providing us with you know, a, a direction that's going to be just what our certi- certificates want and will allow us to communicate with them even more and involve them more deeply in the organization. Um, what does that mean? How, um, how, how much more involved can uh, CFRE members get? Well, you know, I think one of the things that we have heard from CFRE members is that they've got a great passion for the organization and they want to hear more from us and likewise have more opportunities to uh, be of service to not only CFRE but through CFRE to the fundraising profession and philanthropy as a whole. So 
Uh, one of the things we've done as part of our strategic planning work is that we've just completed a survey of our certificates. And we were really blown away because we had more than 1,100 responses, which represents over a 20% response rate, which, as you know, for, for you know, surveys, that's just phenomenal. So we are really looking forward to being able to talk through the results and, again, being able to be even more responsive to our certificates. And when the, the uh, summer hiatus is over, I'll be happy to give a summary of what we found through that survey on the nonprofit coach. Well, Ava, you can't come on the show and tease me like that. You have to at least give me one of the things that you learned in your survey that you found that was surprising, and then we'll get a full report when you come back. Well, you know, Ted, I don't mean to be teasing about our results, but I do want a chance for us and our board to really go through them first before sharing out with your audience. So um, just let, right, let me so hold on for just to, a little uh, bit. To the fall, we'll, of course, have you uh, have you back that is an awfully high uh, response rate uh, for uh, for a uh, survey of uh, of that sort. What do you attribute the interest um, from your members in uh, in your survey and moving towards your your strategic plan? Mm -hmm. I really think it is the passion that people have for CFRE. Um, once you go through the process and and get that certification, that credentialing. Um, I, I think it's not only something that that's people find they, they like having as a professional accomplishment, but they really find it, it means something in terms of their own validation of their passion for the profession. So uh, I think that really feeds into why we got such a good response rate, is because people really passionately do care about the credential and what it means to having you know, the public trust and, and really underpinning that um, you know that need for the sector to have the high standards and have people acknowledge that so that way we can go forward and do good work and raise the funds we need to support uh, the change that our organizations are trying to make in the world. I always uh, so much uh, appreciate the opportunity to chat with you folks at CFRE and of course I'm not going to have a, another opportunity to uh, chat with you uh, until September when we come back from the summer hiatus. That is when the next CFRE Minute uh, we'll be here live on the uh, on the nonprofit coach. Uh, Ava, you've uh, just started as the new CFRE president and CEO. Um, how's your first couple of months been? It's been really good. Um, I've been pleased just in terms of the warm welcome that CFRE and and myself have, rece have received for, at, from conference goers and certificates, uh, really all around the world. And I think one of the, the fun parts is being able to get out and talk with people and finding out more about you know, what our certificates want and need and also, too, how we can reach out to those who are new to the profession and wondering about professional development and what they need to do to really be able to you know, not only maximize their own professional growth but also you know, play that part in making the whole sector better and their organizations grow and prosper. So... I think that's been a, a real you know, high point. It's been wonderful. Uh, working with the CFRE staff here is great. Um, we have had a couple changes, though, just for listeners who do want to communicate with our office. Um, Alicia Crittenden, whom they've known before as our initial certification manager, is now our acting certification manager. So if they have any questions about either initial certification or recertification, Alicia is the person to go to. And we're also pleased to have Emily Sullivan on board as our acting continuing education manager. So if there are any questions about um, 
continuing education approved provider opportunities, she's the person to contact at our office. That's terrific. And over in the radio links uh, today at tedhart.com, click on radio. Uh, you'll see the highlighted area for the very best links of uh, the web. Uh, we are providing today a, a direct link to CFRE.org uh, so that uh, all of our listeners can uh, be in contact with you. And, uh, and over the summer when things are a little bit uh, quieter, maybe, at least for some offices, not, not necessarily mine, but some offices, this is a good time to prepare for the fall and to prepare for certification, isn't it? It is an excellent time. And uh, I think one of the, the great things, too, is that even though, you know, for some offices the summertime may be a bit quieter, um, there are a lot of education or educational opportunities around. And, again, if, if people are interested in that, um, they can go to our website um, to see a list of approved education providers that they can get in contact with to see what opportunities may be out there. That's terrific. Ava Aldrich, uh, President and CEO of CFRE, here providing us with the CFRE Minute. Ava, how can our listeners reach you? They can reach me here at the CFRE office at 1-703-820-5555 or at eAldrich at CFRE.org. And uh, if I went too fast on that, you can find that same information on our website um, through your link, Ted, at www.cfre.org. Ava, enjoy the rest of uh, your summer, and we'll have you right back here live on the Nonprofit Coach when we come back from our summer hiatus in September. Take care. Sounds wonderful, Ted. Thank you. Thank you. And back here on uh, Page One News, again, over at tedhart.com, click on Radio Links. Uh, you're going to see today in the Radio Links a lot of important information. Uh, one of them is just released um, just today. Uh, make sure that you go and uh, download the special report uh, from uh, the folks over at Marketing Sherpa, uh, discover how to segment and integrate your email for better results. Who doesn't want higher click-through rates or to make sure that your content uh, is being uh, read and received? Uh, read all about that in a report that you can download, and that's been uh, uh, sponsored by the folks at HubSpot. Uh, via Marketing Sherpa, and you can get the link today at tedhart.com. Click on Radio Links, and you'll find that right there. And it's a 38-page complimentary report, and it's the 2012 Email Marketing Benchmark Report and the Email Marketing Handbook also available over there. Uh, now, uh, next up here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach are nine ways to measure your brand's social media health. Uh, this comes to us from uh, the very smart website, Mashable.com. Again, you'll find the uh, link over in the radio uh, links today at TedHeart.com, and they're going to walk you through uh, such things as brand volume, engagement, uh, interaction per post, segmentation. Um, so you're going to learn all about that over from Mashable Business and you'll find that at the radio links uh, today. Now, here on the Nonprofit Coach, it's always a pleasure to welcome new friends, uh, and a new friend coming on today uh, is a new sponsor of the uh, the Nonprofit Coach. So we'll, we will have our sponsor uh, message a little bit later today um, on, the, uh, on the Nonprofit Coach as part of page two. But uh, whenever we have a new friend, a new sponsor, uh, join us here on the Nonprofit Coach. We invite them as part of... Uh, page one to come on board and to say hello and to share in their own words a little bit of information about uh, their service. In this case, we have Mo Linsky here joining us 
uh, from Toronto, uh, and he is the head and the inspiration behind uh, fundcoaches.com. Fundcoaches.com, you will find a link today um, in the uh, – oh, wait a minute. We just uh, lost uh, uh, Mo, so uh, hopefully we'll get uh, – Get Mo back here on uh, on the show. So uh, I'll watch for Mo on the uh, on the uh, uh, switchboard as soon as he comes back on. Uh, we will bring him. And in the oh, there he is. Uh, Mo Linsky is uh, Mo. Sorry, we lost you on the uh, uh, switchboard, but I think you're back here. I was just giving a, a big build up for Fun Coaches, new sponsor here on the Nonprofit Coach. Thanks for joining us here today. Thank you, Ted. Thank you for having me. Hey, Mo, you're up in uh, Toronto. Is that right? Yeah, I'm, uh, well, we certainly are representing the Great White North, and uh, we're very excited to be joining the Ted Hart Radio Show today. That's great. Fund Coaches um, is really the premier online fundraising institute uh, for nonprofit organizations, and while you're headquartered in Toronto, you're accessible anywhere. Um, give us a little bit of uh, information. We'll, of course, have the full um, uh, uh, a presentation and advertisement uh, for your sponsorship as part of page two. But I was hoping, in your own words, um, what gave you the inspiration and why fund coaches? Uh, well, I'll tell you, Ted. I remember the early days of when uh, I was charged with running a um, the uh, foundation of my, my alma mater, and uh, you know I had come in with very relatively little experience, and uh, as much as I really enjoyed the various conferences and offerings of AFP and other similar organizations where I had the pleasure of hearing you speak um, on numerous occasions. I, um, I, I found it, you know, uh, I found it limiting and I, you know, I, I wish that there was an opportunity for me to benefit from individuals like that, you know, top experts in the field. And uh, whenever I needed it, and I can, you know, from the comforts of my pajamas and, uh, and at a price point that was uh, manageable, not just for me, but theoretically also for my board, uh, other professionals in the office, uh, direct reports, etc. So uh, we set out to, to build it, uh, to make it as convenient as possible, as effective as possible, accessing the top thought leaders and uh, consultants in, in uh, what we consider in the philanthropic world, and also making sure that it's affordable so that people could do it and uh, make sure that they get the benefit of that education and that experience. Well, Mo, it's uh, not only uh, great to have you as a sponsor, but, of course, it uh, aligns so nicely uh, with the work of uh, the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show because uh, with budgets being tight and the economy being uh, difficult for, uh, for a lot of charities and for uh, very good reasons for people who just want to be more green and not necessarily be traveling for uh, training and education, uh, here comes Fun Coaches as a way for folks to uh, not only become more green but also to train their staff members that maybe they don't have training dollars for uh, in terms of sending them away to some sort of conference or, or training facility. They can do it uh, right at their office. They can do it collectively. They can do it individually. Or as you said, they could even uh, do it at home in their bunny slippers. But uh, um, the, the, the bottom line is, is that education is now at your uh, desktop uh, on a whole host of uh, topics and that's uh, that's good news for the sector, good news for everyone. And uh, thank you, Molinsky, for being the uh, uh, inspiration behind uh, Fund Coaches. Um, and as I said, we'll have more information. And uh, thank you, uh, Mo, for joining us here today on page one of the Nonprofit Coach. It's a pleasure. Thanks a lot, Ted. You got it. I will have more information on Fund Coaches a little bit later on in the show, and you can go to the direct link 
today at tedhart.com. Click on radio links and you'll find a highlighted link today that notes that uh, Fund Coaches is a sponsor and one of the links that we think uh, all charities should be going to today. Now, the, the next uh, stop that we have here on Page One News is just a whole lot of fun for me, uh, and that is uh, Dottie Schillinger is here uh, with us today. Now, Dottie, uh, thank you again for joining us. You're, this is not your first time because you are actually uh, a favorite here on the Nonprofit Coach, and I know that you're a favorite uh, because you are actually uh, been named as one of the top ten episodes of all time on the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show, and we've been uh, at this for more uh, than two years. And not only are you in the top ten, but Dottie Schillinger, you are number three, and the episode that was so very popular here on the Nonprofit Coach was February 1st of 2011, uh, and that was your show on enhancing board leadership. Welcome here uh, back to the Nonprofit Coach, and thank you for being so good at what you do. Thank you so much, Ted. As always, it's a great pleasure to be here on the Nonprofit Coach with you. Well, uh, Dottie, I just have to ask you, uh, being named uh, in the top ten of all time, uh, and not only in the top ten, but being number three, uh, and you're behind amazing uh, uh, skill levels. Uh, Ken Berger from uh, uh, the good folks at Charity Navigator is number one. Uh, number one for the longest time is our, now our number two, and that's Kay Sprinkle Grace, um, also on board leadership. Um, uh, so what makes you so special, Dottie, that you're number three of all time? Well, I'd love to say it's my sparkling personality, but I think it's just actually the, the great fortune that I have to speak about a topic that is increasingly popular. Um, what we've been you know, presenting on over the last several years, this topic of e-governance and really the use of technology to enhance board leadership is really just exploding. Um, our own company has grown by 200% the last two years in a row. And with the advent of the iPad, more and more directors are now looking for ways to become more efficient, become more productive, become more proactive in their governance role using technology. And so I think that the reason this show is, is popular may have less to do with me than it has to do with the topic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's uh, it, it really is an important topic. And, of course, um, it, it matters how well you do in presenting it. And, obviously, the information uh, that you provided in that episode is uh, extremely important. Of course, everybody can follow the radio links to go to all the episodes, all the podcasts of the Nonprofit Coach, of, of which we are uh, fast uh, approaching 90 episodes of the Nonprofit Coach, all of them podcasts, all of them free, including uh, the terrific uh, top 10 uh, episodes of all time, and Dottie Schillinger is here with us today uh, as our number three of all time. So you can watch for uh, the Dottie Schillinger Enhancing Board Leadership podcast of February 2011. Dottie, how can our uh, guests reach you if they want to reach you between now and the next time that we're fortunate enough to have you on our page, too? Absolutely. Um, so there are a couple of ways that they can reach me directly. If you go through LinkedIn, um, my account is D. Schindlinger. Um, you can see the spelling there right on the Nonprofit Coach website. You can see um, you know, the last name spelling, D. Schindlinger. And then also, if you go to our company's website, which is BoardEffect.com, um, you'll be able to find me and connect with me. And so either of those two directions, I think, would be the easiest way for folks to reach me. That's terrific. And, uh, again, thank you uh, so much for coming here on the, uh, the Nonprofit Coach, uh, joining us again and uh, giving us an opportunity to celebrate the wonderful work that you've done and to draw attention uh, to the wonderful work that uh, all of our top ten uh, uh, episodes uh, speakers have done. So, Dottie, thank you, and please come back real soon. 
I absolutely will. Thank you so much, Ted. It's been a great pleasure. You bet. You bet. Uh, next up uh, here on the Nonprofit Coach is wrapping up page one news. want to draw your attention again from Marketing Sherpa is the 2012 Inbound Marketing Handbook. Um, now, the whole handbook is uh, quite expensive, but today we're providing you with a free excerpt uh, in the, uh, the radio links today, and this will help you uh, learn about synchronizing search, social, and, uh, social media, and uh, content uh, for your organization. So check out the excerpt of the 2012 Inbound Marketing Handbook. Um, you probably have uh, thought, gee, I'm a, a really good uh, charity, uh, and since we're, we do such important work, I'm sure the fine folks over at Microsoft would love to donate the most up-to-date, latest version of the Microsoft Office suite to our organization if they only knew how good we are. Well, in fact, Microsoft would like to donate to you uh, the latest version of Microsoft Office, uh, and you do that by going to TechSoup.org. Over at TechSoup.org, for a small administration fee of just $31, you can get the entire uh, updated uh, 2010 Office Professional Plus uh, suite. Uh, so that's all available to you. You can learn all about that over at the radio link. TechSoup.org will provide you with the latest versions of most important softwares and donated uh, access to uh, that software as well. Check it out over in the radio links today at TedHart.com. And that uh, brings us to the end of our uh, uh, page one news. That means it's time to head on over to page two. And today over on uh, page two, I am very excited to invite back here uh, to the nonprofit coach, uh, Rob Mitchell. Uh, Rob Mitchell has invested his 29-year career in the nonprofit world as a fundraising practitioner, nonprofit executive consultant, and is now leading two businesses that provide products and services to charities and to churches. He is currently uh, CEO of Atlas of Giving and Philanthromax. Philanthromax uh, uses proven techniques from American business to create more financial fuel and greater efficiencies for nonprofits. Today, we're, uh, we can talk about Philanthromax if, uh, if Rob would like, but we're really here to talk about Atlas of Giving, which is a pioneering new innovation for nonprofits that measures, analyzes, and forecasts U.S. giving monthly by sector, by source, and by state. So a lot of information uh, coming to us uh, from Atlas of Giving. Uh, today, Rob Mitchell is here bringing his extensive knowledge of the nonprofit sector, but also his insights uh, into data. Welcome back here on the Nonprofit Coach, Rob Mitchell. Rob, are you there? Let me see. Rob, I'm sorry if I press the right button, I'll bring you on. Are you there? Ted, I'm here. Uh, there you are. My apologies uh, for uh, uh, the delay in bringing you here onto the Nonprofit Coach. Welcome back, and uh, thank you for bringing us uh, uh, the good news about the uh, work that's being done over at Atlas of Giving. I'm happy to be with you today, Ted. Thanks for the opportunity. Well, there's a lot of good work uh, that, that, you, that you've done. Now, um, Atlas of, of Giving um, is, uh, is sort of uh, an extension or a, a growth of uh, several data sets that have been uh, available for a long time. But you look at things in a, in a different way, and you provide uh, a forecast, not just a look back. That's right. We're, uh, 
we we do provide benchmark. We measure charitable giving as it occurs in the United States, and so um, we, for example, have uh, charitable giving results now through May of 2012 by sector, source, and state. But the thing we really look at is the velocity and the trajectory of giving in the U.S. And uh, we have a forecast, which we update every month, um, that, that looks ahead at what charitable giving will be in the months ahead out to 12 months. Now, in, in doing that, um, how has that been received in the nonprofit sector? I mean, I can imagine that for a lot of charities, this is uh, is really quite an exciting innovation in uh, looking at data well that's true for some it's very exciting and innovative for others it's very scary because tell me about uh, part why why would someone view uh the work that you do as scary well i'll give you one example from 2012 uh what our forecast shows for 2012 we'll look at september and october so the environment for giving in September is going to be dramatically better than it would be in October. So fundraising practitioners are faced with a choice. Do I move my promotion, whether that's a direct mail appeal or a piece of a direct mail appeal or an event a few weeks forward from October into September? And uh, They've never had this kind of information before projecting what the giving environment is going to be. Now, uh, organizations can do dramatically better by looking at the forecast, but it's a little scary when your event has always been held the second weekend in October. Uh, trying to move it up two or three weeks can pre present some lo logistical and political challenges. And the same thing is true on direct mail. Um, and other types of promotions. So it can be a little bit scary. The other thing that's a bit scary is that because we, we measure giving as it occurs by sector, source, and state, you know, one month you can look great as an organization and compared, compared with your peer group, and uh, the next month maybe not so good. So it's, um, it, it's a great technology. Our mission is to make non our nonprofit sector in the U.S. more efficient and more effective in providing the financial fuel they need for their missions. Now, looking beyond uh, September, October, what are you seeing uh, I, that that can be an important fundraising uh, time for charities? But uh, uh, November, December, the holiday period is is crucial uh, for a lot of charities. What are you seeing in that sector? Well, you know, I'm a, I'm I'm a little bit of a, um, well, let me just let me put it this way, Ted. Um, is charitable giving good in the fourth quarter? And I'm not arguing that it isn't. But is it good in the fourth quarter because the environment is good? Or is it good in the fourth quarter because most asking takes place in the fourth they, quarter? Exactly. But regardless of uh, the, the, the reasons why so many uh, focus, you know, and, and as you're pointing out, it, you know, it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy because everybody does it, it the numbers are up not necessarily that it's the best time uh, for donors uh, to, uh, to focus on giving. But regardless of, of, of that, there are a lot of charities who already have their plans uh, in place. Are they likely to see success um, in the holiday period this, uh, this year from your projections? Uh, or yes. Or a tough holiday? Yes. The, the good news is that charitable giving, the charitable giving forecast for the calendar year of 2012 
and this is just revised through um, uh, just this week, the, the calendar year forecast is that giving will be up slightly more than 5% for the calendar year. Now, the fourth quarter will be the slowest giving growth. It'll be right in the 2% range over the same period for 2011, but we'll still be growing. So it's not a it's not a bad time. It's just that giving growth will be slowing as compared with 2011 in the fourth quarter of 2012. How far out do, do you uh, do you do your forecast? In other words, are you looking at 2013, or are you focused on the fourth quarter? Well, I've got numbers through March. I have a forecast today through March of um, of 2013. So we look 12 months in advance. 12, 12 months uh, in advance. Well, we'll come back to that because we want uh, uh, people to uh, uh, have to wait for some of the goodies in that uh, in that regard. Now, in in uh, in, in your look at uh, at giving, some of the biggest news uh, in giving for 2012 uh, has been in church giving and donor advised funds. So let's let's break those down. Tell us what happened in church giving and. Was it big news, positive or or negative? Well, the, it's big news because first of all, in 2011, um, church giving uh, trailed the other sectors significantly in giving growth. We measured giving growth in 2011 at seven and a half percent. Now, many organizations did better. And some did a lot worse, but uh, overall, the national average for giving growth in 2011 was up seven and a half percent over 2010. Giving to religion uh, trailed significantly, growing at less than half of the national average, and that is a trend that's continuing now in 2012. And there are a couple of reasons for that. One is that the demographics of of church giving are changing. Membership is declining, interest in churches is declining, and giving, therefore, is declining. So what we expect in terms of church giving in the future will be a continued decline. Now, there's another reason that church giving, we believe, is declining, and that is a failure on the part of religious organizations and churches to adapt to adopt fundraising practices which are proven in the secular nonprofit community. Uh, you don't see a lot of, for example, you don't see a lot of direct mail fundraising for churches. Some churches do do special events. Uh, some do building, many do building campaigns. But but many of the of the traditional types of of fundraising that are have been successful for decades in the secular sectors are are not being adopted by the church sector and that uh, that's hurting the church sector a lot of folks in uh, in religious uh, groups feel that they don't fundraise in the same way um, that uh, and that's what distinguishes them from the rest of the sector are, are you saying that the evidence from the donors perspective is showing that to do that they actually do uh, separate themselves at their own peril I think there is some evidence for that, and I think that, that churches can take a page out of the, the fundraising success of the secular community and not adopt every practice, but adopt some of those practices which are well-suited for their church. 
So, yes, I, I think that that is something uh, for churches that are not growing as whose giving growth is is declining or not growing as fast as as the rest of the uh, nonprofit world. That's something they ought to consider. Right. Now, what about donor advised funds? What's uh, what, what's the, the the news going on there? Well, donor advised funds in 2011 had a record year in two categories. And the two categories are new gifts being made into donor advised funds and then grants being made from donor advised funds to directly to nonprofits. So it was it was a huge record year for both. Both uh, our, our biggest uh, donor advised funds, both Fidelity and Vanguard, had tremendous years with double-digit growths, phenomenal growth in both of those categories. And, and the reasons for that are, are two things. Um, number one, it's primarily an economic reason. If you look at 2011, the stock market took off on a tear um, for the first seven months of the year. And there was what we measured was that there was a there was a significant uh, inflow into donor advised funds in the first six or seven months of 2011. So that was uh, that was well established and well reported by the donor advised funds. The second thing that we think is a longer term trend, and we're we're it's difficult to measure this trend, but we think that what's happening is that committed philanthropists, committed donors, are more cautious with making gifts directly to nonprofits who have difficulty in measuring uh, their, their mission success. In other words, being held accountable for the money that's being given to them in terms of what they're doing to successfully complete their missions. And it seems to be more acute for older and larger organizations. So the more nimble, what we're seeing is is a rise in success uh, in fundraising for more nimble, smaller organizations that are focused on, uh, that are more narrowly focused on a an achievable mission with great urgency. Um, the traditional large nonprofits that are hard to define in terms of specifics of their mission are continuing to face challenges related to um, uh, to their fundraising and, and helping people understand what it is that they do uh, that is deserving of philanthropy. So um, I, I think what people are using donor-advised funds for is, is they're saying, okay, I'm going to put it in a donor-advised fund, and it gives them time to, then to do some specific research into the into the areas that they're interested in and find those nonprofits that they believe are the most effective or will be the most effective. Because one thing we know about giving – well, we know about Americans. Americans love a winner – and they'll give to a successful organization every time. But the skepticism continues to to grow, and so donor advised funds give uh, um, the the assurance of of having additional oversight uh, of uh, of that process. Is that correct? Well, it's it's it, you know it's not so much additional oversight. I don't think. I I think it it is. It's 
it's time to do it's time for the donors to do their home it allows them additional time to do their homework so if you're if you're interested in a in a health related uh item maybe it's uh maybe it's heart disease um, it gives you the opportunity of doing uh your own investigation into what organizations are doing breakthrough work in that area and then you can direct your gifts from your donor advice fund to those organizations. Okay. Well, that uh, that makes a lot of sense, and uh, certainly coming from the the data of uh, the Atlas of, of Giving, this is very helpful. Uh, remember, you can call in and add your voice. Just uh, raise your hand if you would like to uh, ask a question of our guest uh, by pressing number one. That will let me know on the switchboard that you would like to ask a question. That's uh, three four seven. Three two four three zero eight zero, and uh, we are going to uh, take a short uh, break. Uh, when we come back with Rob Mitchell, uh, the uh, uh, president and CEO at Atlas of Giving, uh, we're going to come back and uh, we're going to uh, ask one of the the big questions uh, for today, and that is looking forward to uh, 2013. What are some of the changes in the marketplace that all charities? Uh, should be considering as they're putting together uh, their 2013 plans. And we'll be right back after this. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. If you're listening live today, the phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 347-324-3080. Now, back to the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. And just a, a program note here on the Nonprofit Coach to let you know that we have two shows remaining before our summer hiatus. Um, we will miss you here at the Nonprofit Coach, but we hope that you all enjoy your uh, summer off, and we will be returning in September with a full lineup in the fall. Remaining uh, with the uh, shows that are coming up, we have the big show next week. Uh, June 19th is the official first look, the official announcement from the Bible, Giving USA 2012 National First Look, right here on the Nonprofit Coach. We really appreciate the fact that this is the third time that the folks at Giving USA have chosen the Nonprofit Coach radio show as their official radio announcement of these numbers. And we will wrap up um, our show here on the Nonprofit Coach for uh, the uh, first half of the year uh, by having uh, the uh, always popular Penelope Burke. Uh, and the Cygnus Donor Survey uh, announcements here on June 26th, uh, right here on the Nonprofit Coach. You can check the uh, entire schedule out at tedhartradio.com or just go to tedhart.com and click on radio links. We are back here live on the Nonprofit Coach uh, with Rob Mitchell from the Atlas of Giving. Um, From your data, from your projections and forecasts, uh, what are some of the uh, pieces of advice that you have for all of our listeners today um, that they should not miss if they're going to be successful in 2013? Um, my biggest advice, Ted, is get it in 2012 because, uh, unfortunately, uh, the forecast uh, for – and, and I'm, I've got a forecast uh, going through May of 2013 – the forecast for those first five months of 2013 is not particularly bright, showing that giving goes flat in January and February, and then begin giving growth is actually going to be off or negative uh, in March and April with a slight rebound in May. But uh, it, at this point, and, and consider the fact that, like any forecast, the, we update ours every month, 
because conditions change. If you well remember um, the events of September 11th and uh, September uh, 2001 was uh, shaping up to be a real, a really decent giving year for most of America, and then and then 9/11 occurred. And things went, if you were a non-disaster organization, things went south immediately. And so those kinds of events happen, whether they're natural disasters. There's, there's kind of yin and yang in, in our charitable economy. And so while a natural disaster, depending on where it is and how big it is and who it affects, uh, can be uh, an increase to the total charitable giving economy, uh, it can do so at the peril of some non-disaster-related charities. So we're monitoring all the economic, demographic, and current event factors that affect the charitable giving economy, and we we report on those each month. So um, you asked about 2013, and quite honestly, I'm disappointed to deliver the news that so far 2013 does the forecast does not look too bright. Uh, so my best advice for those practitioners that are listening to the show is is get busy in 2012. Get it while you can. Well, and that's the value of having uh, someone with your expertise here on the Nonprofit Coaches, that you get that uh, forecast early enough to do something about it. Uh, we do have an email question uh, that uh, just came in uh, from uh, uh, Julie uh, over in Detroit, and she's at, she, she says in her email that, uh, they're very uh, reliant on corporate giving, and they're wondering um, what should they know about uh, corporate giving. Uh, well, she's saying for 2012, but go ahead and talk about 2013 as well. Well, corporate giving in 2000, let's start with 2012. Corporate giving for 2012, um, the the calendar year forecast is that corporate giving is going to be up for 2012 2.7%. Now, that is trailing national growth and give it, the national growth and giving forecast of 4.5% today. But um, so uh, of the of the five sources of gifts or four sources of gifts, individuals, corporations, foundations and bequests, corporation giving growth in 2012 is is the slowest. And then looking ahead for the next 12 months, we see a similar picture. Uh, in fact, uh, for the next 12 months, corporate giving growth will trail those three other sources, individuals, foundations, and bequest, and be essentially flat for the next 12 months. I wish I could, I wish I could give better news. Well, so uh, so what you're essentially saying is this is not the summer to take a break. Uh, this, this, is, this is this is a time to uh, to be real busy and get prepared for uh, uh, for a, a very busy fall if you're going to uh, make your budget this year or get ahead of a downturn for next year. You know, here's the interesting thing about summer fundraising. Um, I had a discussion recently with my friend, uh, my Canuck friend Scott Keys, who has a uh, a direct mail firm in Canada, and um, some of uh, some of what what Scott has observed with his clients is that those who those who get aggressive with uh, with direct response fundraising during the summertime are at a great advantage because uh, traditionally 
uh, other there's there's not as much competition in the mailbox during the summer months, and he finds that his clients do us uh, do very well. So, yeah, I would I, as a as a longtime practitioner myself, I think it makes good sense to get aggressive during the summertime, and, and we live in a very different world than our parents did. So even when we're on when most of us are on vacation, we still have access to to email, we have access to lots of things online that we didn't have before. And so uh, the fact that we used to uh, take a summer break from fundraising with the thought that people were on vacation and would not be responsive, um, that's not necessarily backed up by data. That's more of a traditional approach. And so, yes, I would say this, this summer is the time to get busy for fundraising practitioners. Absolutely. I think we may have uh, a caller here. I'm just going to see we have on the switchboard. Uh, caller, area code 703, do you have a question for Rob Mitchell here on the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show? Uh, we may may not. Uh, if, uh, if you do have a question and you want to call back in, uh, remember that number is 347-324-3080 here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, Radio Show. Rob, we're going to just take a... Uh, a quick break uh, for some information from uh, our new sponsor. And uh, when we come back, uh, you've spoken about a lot of different uh, types of giving, but uh, I'm wondering when uh, we come back if you can specifically focus in on what's happening um, in the foundation world vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, giving for nonprofit organizations. And we'll be right back. I want to get a chance to talk to you about a new and exciting enterprise that's poised to make a definite impact on philanthropic marketplace, and that's a company called Fund Coaches. You had an opportunity today to hear directly from the president of Fund Coaches, uh, Mo Linsky. I know he and his staff have been working uh, diligently in connecting with the very best of educators in the nonprofit sector uh, for many months to prepare for the release of this premier online fundraising institute uh, for nonprofit organizations. Fund Coaches helps fundraising professionals and lay nonprofit leaders, so don't miss the opportunity to also provide more training to your board members. Um, like yourselves, they can improve their fundraising efforts. Uh, you, can, you have to try Fund Coaches to see what you're, you're missing if you've not already uh, checked them out online at fundcoaches.com. All the Fund Coaches training modules are short, sweet, and meaningful. Fund Coaches modules are taught by the very top experts uh, in the field. You could enjoy viewing uh, Fund Coaches modules at your office, at home, wherever you might be, in a group or by yourself. All Fund Coaches modules are ridiculously affordable, costing $30 or less. If that wasn't enough, a, the good folks at Fund Coaches are giving the listeners of the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show a 50% discount. That's right, 50% discount on all modules purchased this month. So remember, you still have a couple of weeks uh, to make sure that you uh, take uh, uh, a full effect of this special offer. So get your pencils out uh, right now because to take advantage of this very special offer, you just go to fundcoaches.org, and that's F-U-N-D-C-O-A-C-H-E-S.com uh, so that you can uh, go there. You can also go to tedhart.com, click on radio links, and you'll find the link right there. Select the module that you want, and at checkout, when you go to checkout, 
um, you're going to use the following discount code. Now, get your pencils out. We will add this uh, to the tedhart.com uh, website as well, but it's J A C L M V Q 8. Uh, so that's the discount code, and this is uh, a bit of a test for you, but it's worth it for 50% uh, to get that off from your next fund coach's education training. So that's J A C. L is in Larry, M is in Mary, V is in Victor, Q8 uh, for at FunCoaches.com, and you will be able to get 50% off. This offer expires June 30th, so make sure you take advantage of this tremendous offer uh, to get training. And this is a good time to do training. Things slow down a little bit. We've talked about that here with a few folks, um, and uh, this is a good way to get your uh, feet wet with Fun Coaches. And once you do, you're going to want to come back and get even more training for yourself, your staff, and your board members. Remember, that's fundcoaches.org. And we're going to head right back over uh, to page two here on the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show. We're here live with uh, Rob Mitchell uh, from Atlas of Giving. You can call in at 347-324-3080. You can email us at tedhart at tedhart.com. Uh, you can also join us in the chat room. I see a number of people in the chat room. You can ask questions there. Uh, Rob, before we uh, went on the break and uh, learned uh, a little bit about uh, this terrific education opportunity at fundcoaches.com, uh, I want to ask you about what's happening uh, with uh, foundation giving. Sure. Well, so far, uh of, of the four sources of giving, individuals, corporations, foundations, and bequest, foundations are the leading source of gifts uh, in terms of giving growth. Now, you know, uh, in, in terms of the, the slice of the pie, individuals still account for 75% of all giving um, in the U.S. And so, um, but foundations, foundation giving uh, calendar year to date is up 6.7%. I suspect that that is a result of the fact that uh, market values for 2011 increased uh, over 8%. The Dow finished up 8.3% for 2011. Uh, the first seven months, as I mentioned before, of 2011 were great for the stock market. And so those foundation portfolios weighted in stocks are are up and they continue to be up uh, though we've had some blips and we have a very volatile market um, the market is still up and so foundations as you know have a requirement um, by law to give away a certain percentage of their assets and uh, I think that that is what is you know those ramp up in asset values are what is driving the growth in corporate grant making or excuse me in foundation grant making well, and that, so that's an interesting point that you how, it, clearly that's very sensitive to the markets and to the value of the assets of foundation um what drives up and down for corporate giving uh corporate giving is is corporate results predominantly is what we're observing and it, it's um so the better a corporation is doing and the more cash it has on hand, uh, the more likely they are to be amenable to making grants to nonprofits or to doing cause-related marketing um, uh, 
promotions and um, sponsorships. So uh, cash on hand in corporations is big. Um, uh, obviously, stock values, um, uh, the better a corporation is doing, uh, with their stock values and their cash position, the better your the better your chances are going to be of uh, of appealing successfully to them for a grant. Better they do, um, the more philanthropic they feel. Uh, Rob, I just want to draw attention to uh, another partner here on the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show, and that's the GreenNonprofits.org organization. We do want to draw your attention to their website and encourage you to consider uh, as a nonprofit organization becoming a certified green nonprofit. Uh, we share that information because those who are familiar with the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show uh, know that uh, each month we have the Green Show. Uh, this month we do not have the Green Show here on the Nonprofit Coach, and that is because of the Big Giving USA announcement next week. They get that slot anytime they want it. Um, so the uh, the Giving USA um, uh, report is uh, next week here on the nonprofit coach, uh, Rob. When when you look at all the uh, the information that you see uh, coming in, um, my understanding is that uh, uh, last year was just a record um, for education. Why why did um, education charities, related charities, do so well when others maybe were stagnant or didn't do quite as well? There were three specific reasons, Ted. One is, as a nation, of course, we're, we continue to struggle with a high unemployment rate. And uh, fortunately for uh, education organizations, especially colleges and universities that make up the majority of the sector, um, the unemployment rate of college graduates today is around 3%. And so far, far less than the national average. So for things like uh, the the alumni annual funds, for um, campaigns that colleges and universities are engaged in, the fact that their alums are virtually unaffected by unemployment makes a huge difference. And it points out something, too, about the charitable giving economy. The factors in the the economy and the demographics that drive giving are different for each sector, so they they work differently for there are different factors affecting education as opposed to say religion. There are different factors affecting as we've talked about foundation giving and individual giving and so one one of the three specific reasons that education did well last year was the the comparatively low unemployment rate of college graduates. The second reason is that the stock market dramatic rise during the first half of 2011 corresponded directly with the fiscal years of most colleges and universities that end June 30. So the good news is for for colleges and universities, uh, you know, they get um, typically two year ends almost. They get a uh, they get the calendar year end and then they get the fiscal year end. And there's there is an increase of activity for most colleges and universities in major gifts and campaign fundraising um, in the in the months leading up to June of each year, the end of their fiscal year, and the ramp up in the stock market values in the in the first half of, of last year had a dramatic impact on college and university giving. 
So that was the se- that's the second reason. And then third is that educational institutions, and this isn't unique to educational institutions, but we we observed it more in the education sector than in other sectors. Um, many sec- all the sectors have had cutbacks in fundraising promotion, fundraising staff, and and fundraising activities as a result of the recession. What we observed in 2011 is that educational institutions came roaring back and got more aggressive, hired more staff, started launching campaigns again. They just frankly got more aggressive in the solicitation process during 2011. And so those three reasons, the unemployment, the favorable unemployment rate for graduates, uh, the dramatic rise in the stock market coinciding with uh, fiscal years for the educational organizations, and, and then... Um, the fact that they they got back in the game, if you will, got back in the fundraising game in a significant way in 2011. Those th- three things contributed significantly to the good results they had. It's always amazing to me, Rob, uh, how quickly time goes here on the show. Before uh, we let you go today, uh, we do have the big announcement next week here on the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show of the Giving USA, uh, the first look at the new numbers. How does Giving USA report or, or relate or not relate, or um, how are your data sets different? What, what's the relationship between giving the Atlas of Giving and Giving USA? Well, there's several significant differences, Ted. The thing I would tell uh, I would tell our audience is that uh, we're at the Atlas of Giving. We're using a proven technique that is used in other types of measurement and forecasting. Um, uh, for big things, housing starts, unemployment. So what we're what we have what we've defined at the Atlas of Giving. By the way, using more than 42 years of published Giving USA data, is that we have proven definitively that charitable giving in the U.S. is tied to specific economic and demographic factors, and those factors vary by state. They vary by sector, and they vary by source. But we have identified what those factors are, and we have built, um, we have built advanced formulas to be able to measure giving as it occurs and, and, to, um, and to forecast charitable giving with great accuracy. So that – and again, measurement, you know um, – 2011 is interesting, but by now most of your listeners have already been evaluated uh, on their 2011 results. And while what's what's announced now about 2011 might be interesting, it, it provides very little utility. The information from the Atlas, uh, we believe, has great utility because what we're focused on is the velocity and the trajectory of giving going forward so that organizations can truly plan they can plan their budgets, and they can plan their fundraising promotions for maximum effectiveness and efficiency. And um, so that's, that's, I think, the distinguishing feature of, of – uh, we could talk a lot about methodology, but I, I frankly think that uh, might be This has be been fantastic. The, the, uh, the, the forecasts that you provided are absolutely so valuable to everyone. Uh, before we wrap up the show today, Rob Mitchell, uh, Atlas of Giving, thank you for being here. How can my guests reach you? The best way is uh, uh, Rob at atlasofgiving.com is the, the fastest, easiest way to reach me uh, by email. Our toll-free number at Atlas of Giving is 
414-0078, and I'd invite the entire audience to visit us regularly at atlasofgiving.com. That's terrific. And next week, don't forget to join us right here, 12 noon Eastern. Greg Carlson, Vice Chair of the Giving USA Foundation, will be here uh, to share with us the first look at Giving USA 2012 report. That is our show for, uh, for today. Thank you, Rob Mitchell, for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show. You've been listening to the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad-friendly podcast at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Coach.